This is episode 83 of The Creative Giant Show. I'm Charlie Gilkey. Thanks so much for joining me today. Every one of us has our own unique set of challenges and negative beliefs that keep us from living life to the fullest. To thrive, we have to develop rituals, practices, and methods that help us root out the negative thoughts and beliefs that are hurting our productivity, goals, health, and relationships. Mark and Angel join me today to share the practices, tools, and insights that help them in their journey from newlyweds in trying circumstances to being recognized by Forbes as the creators of one of the most popular personal development blogs in the world. Ready? Let's do this. Welcome to the Creative Giant Show, where we go behind the scenes about what it means to live a life full of creative and professional success. Creative giants are talented, renaissance souls with a compassion-fueled bias towards action. Now, here is your host, Charlie Gilkey. Hello, creative giants. I'm delighted to have Mark and Angel Chernoff on the show today. Mark and Angel are professional coaches, full-time students of life, admirers of the human spirit, and have been recognized by Forbes as having one of the most popular personal development blogs. Given the plethora of personal development blogs, that's no small feat. Through their blog, book, course, and coaching, they've spent the past decade writing about and teaching proven strategies for finding lasting happiness, success, love, and peace. Mark and Angel both share a great passion for inspiring others to live to their fullest potential, and they honestly feel best when they are inspiring others to be their best. They started their blog with the intention of inspiring as many people as possible, and they work passionately every day to fulfill this intention through the thoughts and ideas they share online. Their first book, 1,000 Little Things Happy, Successful People Do Differently, is a focused collection of short, concise tips and reflections on the little things that make a huge difference in our daily lives. They live and thrive in Florida with their two-year-old son, Mac, who's teaching them about patience and the beauty of every day. Mark Angel, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm excited to talk because you're always really dynamic and interesting. And, um, you know, I've recently learned more and more about you and um, it's fantastic. So thanks for being on the call today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. Alrighty. So as I mentioned, um, I've been following you since what, 2009 or so? When did you guys get started again? It's the end of 06, actually, way back. It's like ancient times for blogging. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 2000. I remember, yeah, you and I connected. Yeah, Charlie and I, I think we connected. It had to have been like maybe 08, 09. Yeah, 08, 09. Wow. Yeah. Seven years now. That's a long time on the internet. Dude, we're dinosaurs. Uh, we, are. we are dinosaurs and anyways, we'll, we'll talk about that at another time. And what I've been interested to see is, is your evolution because you originally started with Mark and Angel Hack Life and that's still, you know, the, the brand, but you've brought in much more to talk about mindset, to talk around relationships, to talk around um, just a much broader set of things. And so um, talk, tell us about the, the early journey in your writing and, and what, what opened things up for you all. Sure. You want me to take it? I'll take it. Um, so we believe it or not, we started, uh, we registered markandangel.com as a wedding website. We were thinking about getting married and we're like, wouldn't that be just a fascinating thing to have? You know, this is before it was the popular thing to do. And so we registered markandangel.com. Um, and you know, it was kind of in a, a, a complete twist of fate, if you will. Um, you know, more on the downside initially, which was that we were kind of blindsided by some, some tragedies in our life. 
Um, Angel has all, had always been the breadwinner of the family. I was always the, the entrepreneur kind of playing and, and working at startup companies. And so she had the breadwinning job and she lost her, her job um, leading in just before our wedding, leading into our wedding. And then uh, one of our mutual best friends um, passed away from cardiac arrest at the age of 27, which was really tough to deal with. And when we were kind of juggling just those two adversities, um, Angel's brother passed away unexpectedly as well about a month later. Um, so we were at a point, you know, certainly there are people and, and situations that are much more tragic than the one we were dealing with. Um, but I think everybody handles adversity and everyone handles problems in their own way. Um, we know this because, you know, the same, uh, you know, the, the same tragedies will put one person in depression and won't put the other person in, right? So we all deal with it in our own way. Um, and but for us, I'd say that what we were, de- were dealing with at that point in our lives was, uh, was, was tragic. It was tough. It was very difficult for us to deal with. And luckily, we had each other. Um, and that was, that was kind of the beauty of it. And so we ended up using this uh, website, this domain name that we had registered for her wedding. Um, we ended up using it as sort of a public journal um, that was for nobody else, but it was really cataloging some of our own um, life stories and, and our own experiences with dealing with adversity and how we were step-by-step step coming through it. Um, and we were, you know, we were re- doing a lot of reading books by, uh, by you know, authors like Eckhart Tolle, Byron Katie, uh, even old school Alan Watts, some of that Eastern philosophy. And we were really implementing this stuff. And it was like, okay, let's see if we can kind of hold ourselves accountable to these principles that we're learning. So that's really what the, where the, that was the beginnings of the blog. And like I said, we weren't writing for others. We were writing for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're writing for us. And then, so to really take us back, this is 2006, then you started getting picked up on Dig, right? Um, way back in the day when, when like the goal, like the benchmark of bloggerhood was being featured on the front page of Dig. Remember those days? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's exactly right. Um, you know, the, the blog went from being our, you know, our parents, our siblings, you know, a few friends reading it to being picked up by some of those social bookmarking sites. So Dig, you mentioned uh, delicious.com was a big one back then. I wasn't even delicious.com, it was delish.us. But it was a social bookmarking site. And so, yeah, we got picked up by some of those. And this was around, you know, the prolification of Twitter and Facebook as well. You know, Um, at the time it was more just focused, Facebook obviously was more focused on just college campuses. But we went from getting, you know, just a, a handful of hits a day to suddenly there was like 100,000 people and then there were like millions of people looking at the site. And it happened pretty quickly. Um, and it led up to like a, the hockey stick effect, which I would say happened um, towards the end, it, actually a few years later. I mean, it was ramping up. But it was basically mid-2011 um, when we wrote a few articles. There was one article, for instance, that was titled uh, 30 Things to Stop Doing to Yourself. And it was just kind of an overview, you know, simple overview and reminders of like ways that we get down on ourselves, mindset wise, things that we just, the ways we berate ourselves, which obviously doesn't benefit anyone. Um, and boom. And that was, you know, that was front page of, of, I think it was Reddit. And then it was, you know, absolutely. I think it has right now 660,000 shares on Facebook or something ridiculous like that. So, I mean, that gives you an idea. And that was the point where, after that, the traffic never went back down to where it was. Um, the readership changed, the dynamic, what, what our audience expected of us kind of changed. And it was, it was pretty much the moment where we looked at this and said, okay, we've got something here. Um, do we want this to still be a passion project like it had been for several years? 
or do we want to actually turn this into a business? Do we want to actually start being more interactive with our audience, not just writing things, but actually getting on the phone with them, doing coaching, saying, okay, if you're having a similar issue that, like to, to the issues that we have overcome, let me show you how we did this. Let me walk you through this. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was really, that was the, the point where it became a business, I would say. You agree? Absolutely, yeah. When all of a sudden you can see that you can write an article that people actually want to read, it kind of changes the dynamic. Yeah, and it, it, especially when you 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 relate so much to that content, you know. So it was a, it was a. Uh, I tell you what, I mean, it not only was it incredible to see you know something that you've created grow, but it was amazing to to hear the feedback from people, like to hear I got something out of this, and this was so valuable to my life, even though that wasn't even it wasn't really our initial intention, you know. So it, it a win win, I would say. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that that's shift in audience and shift in audience expectations because we don't talk about that and not, or, and at least not a lot of people know that is that once you reach that hockey stick, you know, that real hockey stick and this, that sticks, you're dealing with a different audience than you dealt with before that hockey stick, right? You, you got your sort of super fans and your core supporters that are part of that earlier crew, right? Um, but after that hockey stick, things change. What specifically, as far as expectations of both yourself and readers, did you sense change at that time? I'd say, I mean, the naysayers come into play, you know, that, that's, that's the first thing that comes to my mind is when suddenly you have hundreds of thousands of eyes, you know, brand new eyes looking at your, your creation, um, there, there's people that are there to judge, right? They're there to say that this this doesn't relate to me or this is ridiculous because X, Y, and Z. And so that was the point where we suddenly started seeing a lot more of that, um, where the email inbox was filling up with the, with the naysayers. And how do we handle that? <laughs> well, with the naysayers and then also the good things too. Yeah. So people were filling our inbox like crazy, like, hey, I love this. I want more. Where can I find yeah. this? That's a great point. So it's, it's not just the naysaying. It's... Um, it, it was also the point where I'd say the hockey stick effect also had that, you know, when we mentioned it, that point where we were at the crossroads, is this going to be a passion project or is this going to be more? And the reason, because the people who, like Angel said, who, who were asking for more wanted even more of us, right? Wanted more of our time in, in, in many different ways. But now it was, okay, are we going to actually give them this time? Are we going to put more into this or are we just going to keep it the way it is? So take us back to that inflection point. And, and, you know, we talk a lot, we, you, you know, us three talk a lot around mindset and, you know, limiting beliefs and things like that. What were some of the mindsets and limiting beliefs that you had at that time that, that you really struggled with when making that, that decision from going from passion project to for real business? Mm, That's a tough one. I tell you, I mean, honestly, you know, you and I had talked a lot about, just not being there yet, right? Like we're not, we're not good enough writers yet. We're not good enough coaches yet to really get on the phone or get on Skype and coach people. We just don't have enough experience with helping others yet. Like we knew how to help our, ourselves, mm-hmm. but like how, how are we going to help others? Like, can we really do this? And it's so fascinating. I mean, going back to like 06, 07, 08, I mean, I'd say that those were like that thought process was the biggest thing that was holding us back from really taking the step forward. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I definitely. When you go from that transition from working for somebody else to working for yourself, the the mindset is coming at you from all directions. Like this could be the best thing ever, or this is going to be the worst thing ever, and I'm going to be at a really low point if this doesn't work. And a, a lot of people 
are having their opinions too about that. You know, we had our parents who were suggesting, oh, I don't think you guys are quite ready yet. What are you going to do about insurance? What are you going to do about this? So I think we had a lot of input from outside sources and also those who were really close to us and cared about us in addition to our own thoughts that can we do this? Are we good enough? What, what's the opportunity cost if we don't jump on board? So yeah. That's so tough to deal with too. You know, you talk about naysayers. It's, it's actually easy in comparison. It's easy to deal with a naysayer that, you know, somebody that comes across your blog and says something nasty than it is to deal with your own parents, your own family, your own friends, your own core like system of support who come up to you and say, I don't think you're ready yet. You know, I mean, that's, that's a totally different ballgame. And I know, you know, we, we've talked to you about this a little bit before Charlie, but, but yeah, I mean, one of the things we noticed um, when we were kind of embarking on this journey of entrepreneurship is that some of the, the harshest words were coming from the people closest to us. And initially we had to take a step back and, and, and kind of figure it out. We're like, wow, are, are they right about us? And the more we, we, we kind of researched it and thought it over and kind of molded it over, the more we realized that they're actually wrong, you know? And it's, it's not that, they, that they're saying these things to hurt us. They're saying these things to protect us, but they've never walked the path we're on, you know? Yeah, so yeah. It's like they're, they're, their opinions are coming from this place of closed-mindedness, right? They don't, they've never really walked this path, and that path scares them. So therefore, it's like when they look at us and they hear what we're, what we're thinking about doing, they're like, oh, slow down. Don't hurt yourself. We, you know, we want what's best for you, and this is definitely not what's best for you. So it's, it's just it's, it's, it's a different way of thinking about things, but we, that was a, a huge uh, sigh of relief, I'd say, when we realized that you know, it's okay that the people closest to us don't necessarily agree with every move we make. Absolutely, and, and it's quite natural for us to accept the maps that people make um, for us from places they've never been. Right. And it's like, Oh, you're not ready for this. This is going to happen. It's like, how do you know you haven't done this? Right. And I know you've heard stories, but you've heard somebody else's stories. And you know, that's the challenge uh, I think is that to be a creative entrepreneur is to be functionally delusional about so many different things. Right. Um, one of those things being like, you're going to be that business that makes it, you're going to be that team that makes it, you're going to be that person that makes it when you've seen so many other people not make it. And it's this weird thing. You can't reject that like other people haven't made it, but you have to believe about yourself that you are the person that's going to be successful uh, despite those odds. And again, that's why it's functional delusion because if you looked at it statistically, you're not going to make it. And yet every day entrepreneurs make it. You know? yeah, yeah. I love that way you put it. Um, one of my favorite quotes too is when you're faced with two opportunities, always go with the one that scares you the most because that's the one that you're going to be able to grow the most. So whenever I'm juggling some options on which route to go, I think of that and say, you know what, the one that scares me the most is probably the one that I'm going to be able to gain the most from. So yeah, again. And it's important too. Yeah, I, mean, I love that, and I, I agree. Angel does. She lives in, in. She lives by that quote very, very well, very strongly. Um, and I'd also add that that success doesn't have to be huge too. And I think that's sometimes what we get carried away with in the beginning when we're starting some type of entrepreneurial journey is we'll look at like Mark Zuckerberg, right? And we'll say like, oh, that's if I'm going to start an internet business, it's got to be like Facebook, right? I mean, and, and no, you're right. Most people are never going to be able to achieve that. Most people will fail trying. Um, but there are so many other business uh, structures that you can build that are a lot smaller that you can you can serve a much uh, smaller niche audience, mm-hmm. and you can be very successful, and it can be extremely rewarding, and, and you can make an incredible mm-hmm. difference. And our success measurement may be completely different from your success. So. Mm-hmm. 
That's right. Yeah. And you can be successful and it can be terrifying at the same time. I just want to put that out there. So it's not like you're successful and like, you know, you've got the Mai Tai and you're in Maui and you're sitting back and life is good. I mean, that, that happens occasionally, but it's also, you know, waking up and like, oh crap, what are we going to do about this particular scenario? Right. Oh yeah. There's daily highs and lows. <laughs> Without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously with everything changing online, I mean, we deal with this constantly. Facebook changes their algorithm and it's like our, our traffic from Facebook halves, right? And it's like, okay, now what are we going to do about that? Well, you figure it out, you know, I mean, and that, that's the thing. You, you just, you have to be smart about testing. You have, and you also have to be smart about not overextending yourself. I mean, that's one of the reasons Angel and I love, you know, the whole simplicity movement is that, you know, minimalism, we're not really minimalists, but we do know how to save. We do know how to not like overstress ourselves and financially and also in, 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 in business wise, right? Like we're not going to take risks. They're going to kill our business, but at the same time, we have to be creatively risky. And, uh, and, and we've got to be willing to stretch the comfort zone a little bit. So it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, we had a really good month this month. So we're going to save 50% of that income on that really good month because next month or the month after might not be as good. And we need to have a huge pot to weather the storm when the storm arrives. So, I mean, you don't have to be, you don't have to get carried away with it, but it's smart to be that way. It's smart to be frugal in, in, in every aspect of the word as it relates to your business. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm going to slide in real quick. I mean, the, we're entrepreneurs and we're talking about entrepreneurship in that life, but these skills of resiliency and flexibility and, you know, um, diligence and prudence, these are the types of things that are generally good for all walks of life. Like it just makes sense for a good months to save some back. And I wanted to throw in there because, um, you know, we, when, when we talk about mindset, especially positive mindsets, a lot of people go into sort of that Pollyannish space where like everything is going to be good law of attraction. I'm not dishing law of attraction. I'm just saying that there's that sense of like, believe that everything is good and then good things will start happening. Um, or you'll get more good things. But it was interesting that you mentioned Mark that, you know, on that good month, you're like, we might not have a good month tomorrow or next month. Right. So we need to save some for that. And it's that grounded, um, acceptance of what is, but having the positive outlook that I love so much from you guys. Right. Um, so, um, there's not really a question as much as an observation there, but I guess, how do you, when you're working with, um, your readers, you're working with your people in programs, you're working with your clients, how do you help them get to that place of being grounded with what is, but also seeing that positive side of it? So, I mean, a huge part of getting grounded with what is, is, is simply gratitude. I mean, one, one of the, one of the rituals that we stress over and over and over again is so common, but reason, one reason it's so common and so prevalent is that it works. And that is a gratitude meditation or a gratitude journal. Um, scientifically that's been proven time and time again by multiple positive psychology studies where if you had you know, two groups of people and they generally had the same, you know, same lifestyle, so to speak, but one group at the end of every day was told to sit down and recount, you know, think about or, or, or write about the things that went well in your day. Um, that's something that really grounds you. Um, so a few months later, that, that group of people will be measurably happier just simply by reflecting on that. So that's one way to, uh, to be a bit more grounded. Um, but, I, would, I would say in terms of making positive change and staying positive would be implement, implementing rituals, like very small rituals so that you can see progress and then you can take that momentum and move forward. So we really, with, with, our, with our readers and our clients, we really try to implement small rituals that they, it's so easy, it would be silly for them not to do. Start off so small that then they can see that the, the positive 
reaction from this ritual and then they will continue to go forward. Right. And as they're doing those positive rituals and then they're reflecting on them, on them each day, the goal really is to get, to get our you know, clients to realize that today is enough, right? That like what I did today, even if I don't hit that big grandiose mm-hmm. goal that's set out there in the future, the success I had today is great, yeah. right? And, and just feeling good about that is a great way to, to create that momentum to, to try again tomorrow. Um, and, and you mentioned an interesting thing about kind of being, it, it's almost like being optimistic, but, but, but thinking, thinking the worst too, like preparing for the worst, but still being optimistic. And that's something I think that's, um, it, 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 it's so interesting to, to realize that you have to almost have, you have to have a contingency plan, right? And this is something, you know, you have a military background. Uh, my background prior to doing this what was working uh, with the military as a civilian. Mm-hmm. One of the things I learned um, from some of the, the commanding officers was that they always had a contingency plan. They always thought about what's the worst that could happen. Mm-hmm. So, so it's like, I mean, that's, that's the way we go about it as well as we're looking at what, you know, let's be optimistic about today, but let's think ahead. And so, I mean, that's, I think that's the smart way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a statement in the army. Well, it's just in the military. It's pray for peace, but pass the ammunition, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's in the context, it sounds really harsh, but it's also like we want there to be peace. We want that that's where we're going, but we need to be prepared for that not to be the case, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what I learned coming out of the military is actually is we think a lot about the downside, like what's the worst that can happen um, in life. And whether that's, you know, um, you're an employer, whether you're an entrepreneur, I think a lot of times we need to think about like, what's the best that can happen, right? And how am I going to deal with that? Because so often we don't actually prepare for that hockey stick, whatever that hockey stick is. And then we're confronted with the reality that's different. We, we're confronted with being the, pe- being the people who have a reality that's different than any reality we've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes that can, that plays weird things with your head. Like, what do you do when you can actually have this really, in your case, um, this international business that's got a lot of visibility, people listening to you, um, you know, you're, you're everybody's big brother and big sister or little brother and little sister, just the smarter ones, you know, what do you do in that situation? That's a lot of responsibility. And then, you know, there's a, there's a head loop that happens there. No, no question about it. Yeah, it's... Um but it's still day by day. I mean, I think that's the interesting thing is, you know, like a smaller, like let's say a smaller pro blogger or even somebody who's just starting out might look at Angel and I and think, um, oh man, they made it. But as you pointed out earlier, it's every day is making it, you know, and that's, that's the key is to keep thinking, to keep reinventing um, and to keep kind of putting your heart out there. And, and, and the measurement is, am I helping people? Right. I think at the end of the day, it's not how much money I'm making, but am I helping people? Are people, stealing my work? Are people copying my stuff? Are people, you know, using my headlines? Are people interested? And do I seem to be making a difference out there? Because if you see people doing like kind of grabbing your stuff in any way whatsoever, um, you're on the right track. So one of the, well, there are many interesting things about you, but you're also a power couple, right? And so um, a creative couple that's in the same business together, um, you, how old's Mac now? Three, four, three? He's two. Two. Okay. I gave him a year. So he's two. Um, So you've got a two-year-old son, which creates all sorts of joys and it creates all sources, um, all sorts of challenges at times, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Talk to us about last night. That, Angel will tell you all about the challenges. <laughs> what happened last night, Angel? 
uh, someone decided to get up at 2.45 a.m. and stay up <laughs> till 11 a.m. So. Mark, I told you to lay off the Red Bull, man. I told you yeah. to stop drinking the Red Bull, Mark. Sometimes you'll check our Instagram feed and see these like beautiful pictures of the sun rising over the Atlantic. Oh, that's only because our sun woke us up at 2.30. <laughs> Um, so we'll come back to Mac, um, but let's go back if you can. You can either go back to 2006 when you guys were in this terrible situation together, right? Um, and kind of talk about how you, um, you know, what were some of the challenges at that time in the relationship that, that you really had to do some work to get through? Let's start there. Yeah, I think as we were going through a lot of the tragedies and, you know, a lot of all three of them were mostly on me, you know, or they, they were ones that I was directly relating to. And obviously they affected us as a couple, but they were directly affecting me. And so I think at that time, you know, what I wanted to do is just curl up and keep everything to myself and keep my emotions in. And, you know, it was really important to have Mark there and to have that relationship and just someone to be vulnerable in front of and to have that feedback. And sometimes I wasn't looking for advice I was just looking for someone to listen. And so I think at that time, I was very fortunate that I had Mark next to me and had that relationship that was so strong when I felt like everything else around me was crumbling. Yeah. I mean, we started, you know, to help her a lot. A lot of it was listening, right? I mean, just the same way we're helping our clients, but to help Angel get through some of this. And obviously, I mean, I was deeply affected by it as well. Um, but, you, you know, you go back to... Uh, some tools, right? And, um, and Angel, I talk about this all the time, but tools um, like self-inquiry as an example, where you literally, you have a certain set of thoughts going through your head. And, you know, thoughts could be ranging from like, you know, my life is over to I'm just not good enough for these people as you walk into a meeting, right? And you're about to give a presentation. And it's like, and we all have thoughts like that, you know, and it, and it could be spawned from a tragedy or it could just be spawned from anxiety. Um, but using tools like that was something that we started, we started looking at and we started, um, kind of working on together as a couple. Um, so to give you an example, like, you know, a thought, like I'm not good enough for these people, you know, you ask yourself, is that really true? Could that be scientifically proven that you're not good enough for these people? And the idea is not to say yes or no, but it's just to like kind of pick the thought up and think about it, twist it around a little bit. And then another question would be, who am I with that thought in my head? Like when Angel's thinking, I'm not good enough, who is she with that thought in her head? How does she behave? How does she treat herself? How does she treat others? How does she treat the situation she's in? Does that help her take a step forward? Or does that keep her right where she's at? And then who would you be if you were able to remove that thought from your head? Like if you strip that thought out of your mind right now in the moment when you're having it, who, who, what else would you see? Like what other, what are, what are, what other truths are there that you're not even paying attention to? Cause you're so focused on that one thing. You're missing everything in the periphery, right? So what is in the periphery? What else can I see? So it's, it's using, I mean, it's using simple questions like that self or tools like self inquiry. They kind of help you get beyond. Um, it can help you get beyond certain levels of depression. It can certainly get you beyond some tragedies in your life and it can get you beyond everyday anxiety and just the negativity that'll get in your way, get, get between you and the, and the best person you can be. 
So what I'm hearing is that really in, in during that time, the challenges were mostly external, right, to, to everything that's going on. But because you started with a really solid relationship that didn't have many like inner challenges within that dynamic, it made it easier to, to cope with those external situations. Yeah, I think, I mean, from, from, a, from a relationship challenges between Angel and I, I think it was, it was more like, how can we... Um, love ourselves through this and still love each other. Right. I mean, it's like, how can we, how can we kind of take steps for, you know, forward, but also forward together? Cause you know, whenever there's, whenever there's tragedy, you have that tendency to kind of close up. So um, that was a challenge for sure. But it's uh but yeah, I'd say the problems were more outward than, than inward. And, um, and that helped us certainly get through them. There's no question. I mean, that's a, uh, I mean, that's the fascinating thing about, about, you know, inner strength is that, if you're, if you're inside, if, if you are happy on the inside, if you are strong on the inside, if you are confident on the inside, then you can get through almost anything. I mean, that, you know, man's search for meaning, right? It's, it's like you can be in the most tragic situation, like a concentration camp, and you can, you can actually take steps forward despite your circumstances if you have a strong inner core. So I'd say, yeah, we were fortunate to have a strong inner core, but it was chipped away at. So it's not to say that that we were, you know, it took, it took the research, it took the reading and it took the practice to make it happen. So a challenge with power couples can often be um, differences in work patterns and communicating about those work patterns. And, and um, have there been any continual or perennial fault lines between the two ways that you work together? That it's just one of those things where um, I'll use your language. It requires a lot of self inquiry <laughs> um, to, to keep things healthy and, and, and warm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think we ha we have that battle, you know. Thankfully, the way we work is we kind of work on two separate things, and then we uh, kind of review it every now and then. So it's not necessarily like we're both working on one thing, and then he's got a, a say, and I have a say. We kind of work on two separate things. But yeah, you know, getting to learn his his work strategy and what how he likes to communicate and how he works. I mean, yeah, just working in any environment, you know, you need to know the best way to communicate with each person because it's going to be different with every person, you know, how they communicate, how they work the best. Um, so, yeah, I, I, we definitely had those interactions where it's like, okay, well, I know if I approach this topic at this time, he's not going to want to talk about it. So I need to do it, you know, at this time and right. where I, I know he'll be more responsive. Yeah. Yeah, I think learning another person, but like Angel said, I, I think separation of duties is important for sure. Um, whether it's a power couple uh, partnership or any other partnership in business, um, knowing that Angel has her set of, of tasks and responsibilities and I have mine, we have our own two worlds. And of course, there's lots of cross-pollination in the sense that we review each other's work, there's checks and balances and there's suggestions. I mean, but, um, but, but it, it's, it's not like we're not like literally like writing a blog post together, right? Or we're not writing an email together. Like Angel typically handles more of the email marketing stuff and I handle more of the front end on the blog writing. So it's, and certainly there's cross pollination there, but it's like one's her world and one's my world. And she's allowed to, you know, write her way. and I'm allowed to write my way. And, and yes, we can inject our opinions, but those opinions are still like, oh, I think maybe this should be like that, but not like it has to be. There's a big difference. Yeah. So there's a line from the Dao Te Ching, and I'm going to paraphrase it. Because the sage is aware of her faults, she is faultless. Because the sage is aware of her faults, she is faultless. Um, 
along this personal development journey right now, individually, what are those faults or areas of develop that, development that like you continually have to use your tools and, and mindsets to really um, make that fault be such that it's not crippling you and limiting your growth and communication and relationship in different ways? For me, it's, it's, I tell you what, you know, I use the not good enough as an example for the self inquiry. And that's, that's one of mine. I, I constantly second guess myself. There's no question. Always have probably always will. I know it's one of my faults. Um, you know, when we were speaking in Austin together, it was like, am I good enough to get up on this stage when I'm writing a new blog post or about to click publish? Is this blog post good enough? Right. And I, so I have that tendency, um, to be a little bit of a perfectionist. And angels helped me with that a lot, you know, just helping kind of push me along. Okay. Okay. You got it. But, but at the same time, I, I think, you know, like, like every uh, negative, there's a positive side to that. So I think that that has helped make my work the best it could be. Um, so as long as I keep that in check and I'm aware that I am a bit of a perfectionist, um, I'm able to kind of leverage it to, to, to create unbelievable work or work that other people have told me is unbelievable. Right. And that's sort of how I measure it. So, that would be mine. I think that's probably my biggest crutch, which is also a benefit in some senses. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the tool mindset or ritual that you use? Like when you hear that thought going on in your head, like how do you work through that Mark? Oh my goodness. Well, I, I already gave you this. I already gave you the tool. Self-inquiry is something. So that's something we, 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 uh, we work on with our clients, but it's something we go through ourselves all the time, all the time. Um, so yeah, I will literally sit down and ask myself, like I will literally write my thoughts down. So it's like when I, when I catch myself, having a ridiculous amount of negativity, I journal it. And the reason I journal it, what, what the important part of that is that if I, you know, when I'm feeling that anxiety, I, I, of course I'm going to be tense. I have sweaty palms I mean, whatever the case is, I'm not necessarily thinking rationally. So I want to record that thought when I'm in that state of mind so that when I go back later, when I'm feeling calm and collected to really kind of review my thoughts and say, okay, like how can I get myself beyond this? Um, I know I don't have to think about how I felt, right? Because I've got it down on paper and it doesn't have to be long. It's maybe a sentence or two, but this is like really the thought that's going on in my head right now, as irrational as it may be. And then, yeah, I go back later and I ask myself those questions. Is it true? How does this thought make me feel? Who would I be if I removed it? Um, another way is, is to reverse the thought on yourself. So like something I'll do is like, if I'm thinking I'm not good enough for these people, so to speak, like this blog post isn't good enough. I'm not good enough to put this out here. Um, I'll reverse on myself and I'll say, well, maybe these people aren't good enough for what I have to say. Right. And it's not, it's not to, to be pompous, but it's just a, a, you know, it's a perspective change. It's like, well, is that at least equally as true in some senses? Like, do I, am I, am I good? Am I even better at some things than these people are? Right. Do I have something to say here? I mean, is that at least equally as true sometimes? And another reversal might be, I'm not good enough for me. Right. Instead of I'm not good enough for them, I'm not good enough for me. And is that true? So yeah, yeah, I basically, my tool is journaling it and then applying the self inquiry uh, to it to kind of get to the bottom of what's really going on. And over the years, that's helped me. And one of the ways I know that I'm a perfectionist now is I see the pattern, right? I see, it doesn't matter what situation, whether we're talking business or personal or or whatever, I see those patterns of being a perfectionist in so many of my thoughts and I've, I've recorded them. I've gone through them many times. So now I'm better at catching myself real time. So I can, I can be like, you know, a, getting ready to like have that anxiety burst and I'll, I'll say, okay, I've seen this before. Right. And I can step through it. And I'll also have an have angel pushing, you know, from behind too. So that, that helps. Definitely helps. Angel over to you. 
I would say mine would be distractions and having so many moving parts that I end up doing a little bit of each thing instead of doing one thing and doing it well. I'm doing 10 things good instead of one thing to the best of my ability. So that's, that's probably what I struggle with the most. It's just staying laser focused on one thing, completing it and making sure it's solid material versus, okay, we got all these balls in the air. Let me do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And then at the end of the day, I'm like, man, I didn't accomplish anything. She's incredible though. Like I I handle a lot of like the front end stuff on the blog and she's doing so much behind the scenes. I'm like, I look, I look over at her desk. I'm like, I don't know how you do all that. I'm the same way with Angela. There's so many things that she does. I'm like, I, yeah. Um, I, I think I, women are just really good at multitasking. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a, t- that's an episode for another day. <laughs> I, I think it's, but what I'll say there is, is oftentimes in our work patterns, women end up with the jobs that are able, that are multitaskable more so than men. I've noticed that pattern breakdown more so. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really a division of labor and, mm-hmm. Um, women get the multi the multitaskable jobs, and so they become better at it um, in a lot of ways. But again, conversation for perhaps another day. Yeah, um, yeah I'm, it's like sometimes with Angela's like, I'm doing one thing and I'm not doing it well. You're doing 10 things and you're doing them well. I don't like what's going on here, right? What's, mm-hmm. what's the problem? Mm-hmm. Um, so what is the most powerful story that you've told yourself that's helped you improve? Um, and when did you discover that story or how did you generate that story individually? So a story that, w- that we read or like heard about or something? One, a mindset, a belief, a mantra, a new way of seeing yourself in the world and your capabilities in the world. But what's one of those stories? And I think at a certain point we find that story and like, wait a second, I am that person. That story is true of me, so on and so forth. So I'm just curious if you have one of those and, and how you generated it. I think, I mean, from, from a business perspective and from a, like, you know, a coaching perspective, it was probably around the time, you know, it's almost like external validation, so to speak. But, and I I don't like to say that that's what what was the aha, but I think when a lot of people were coming to us to solve problems that we had already solved for ourselves and we were, and I, and, you know, Angel and I were, were collectively recognizing that the questions they were asking were questions that we used to have ourselves and it was it like it was that it was the aha that oh my goodness these people don't just think we know this stuff but wow we actually do know how to we've been there you know we've we've resolved that in our own lives and now they're asking us how to do it like aha like like we we are experts at something right and so it, I, I think that was probably for me that was probably the turning point where it was like this this is something not only that we love doing, but this is something that's making a difference. And this is, this is a useful path that we should follow full time, not just on the side. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a little bit driven by external validation, but, but, but in a good way, it was suddenly keying me in to realize that the things I had already learned um, were needed. Mm -hmm. For me, I, I, you know, when you, that's a great question that you asked, I'm going to go back to that quote that I said, where, you know, when you're faced with two choices, two options, go with the one that scares you the most because that's the one that's going to help you grow. And I I came across, and Mark actually wrote that. um, And so I came from one of the articles he wrote and 
I was really looking at it when we were deciding to move. We were deciding to move from California to a new state. We, we were just ready for a move. We're itching for a move. And we're like, all right, you know, what are our options? Where do we want to go? And one of the options was Texas. One was Portland. You know, there were a couple of different options on the table. And, but it also would have been really easy to stay in San Diego because we loved San Diego. We had tons of friends in San Diego. Like it was, it was a comfortable place and it scared us to move. It scared me to move. And so once I, once I started like living by that quote, it, it just changed my whole perspective. It changed me because it, it showed me that taking the easy route isn't necessarily better, you know, the, taking the, the route that scares me a little bit, that, that it really has turned out to be the one that helps me grow the most in, in all aspects of life, not just, you know, the big, the big decisions and the big questions about moving states. But I've really embraced that. You know, we have that quote hanging on the wall in our house. And it's like, it really, I reference that quote when I'm flipping in the air between, okay, do I go this route? Because, you know, every day I'm faced with, oh, I could go the easy way. Or, you know, maybe a little bit harder, a little bit more challenging, but the reward is much better. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you're stretching yourself to, you know, as much as possible to the edge of your comfort zone, it's great. And obviously you've got to do that in intervals. I mean, it's not something you can always be doing because there's got to be the downtime for presence and relaxation and recuperation, which in itself is you know productive. But, but yeah, it's like when, when you're, when you're going for something, when you're thinking about making a change, you're thinking about creating some new product for the business, or you're thinking about just, a, you know, an, an adventure in your own life, like just personally, yeah, if you can stretch that comfort zone a little bit, if you can go that route that scares you a little bit, I mean, there's no question that the the experience is going to lead to to lessons learned. It's going to lead to growth, and ultimately, that's going to benefit you. And that's been an angel's angel's an adventure. She's pulled me on many adventures, and I am thankful for it. But yeah, stretching that comfort zone is, is something that she's taught me um, how, the importance of that, and, uh, and we've done it many times. And I'd say. And, and personally and professionally, we wouldn't be where we are if we hadn't been willing to do that. Speaking of comfort and growth, what's the most unanticipated challenge that you're currently facing individually? <laughs> oh, I'll tell you why. <laughs> it's the same one. Parenthood. <laughs> Parenthood would be mine by, by far. Yeah. Um, that has turned out to be way more challenging than I ever imagined. Uh, testing my patience <laughs> more than I... I've become a much more patient person, um, but I, I would definitely say for me, it's parenting. Um, it's unlike anything else, uh, the highs and the lows. You know, one minute I'm like, this is the best thing ever. I want to have more kids. And the next minute I'm like, oh, why would anyone have more than one kid? I could never imagine doing this. Um, you know, I feel like I'm not good enough. Am I a good parent? Am I not? Does he think I'm a good mom? And so I think that's my, most, my biggest challenge right now is just parenthood. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it, there, there is, you know, intellectually, you can understand a lot about parenthood. Um, you can read all the books, you know, all the baby genius books. And then when you're, when you're struck with the reality of being a parent, um, it's a lot different than, than, you know, every child's different and, and every lifestyle is different. So, I mean, with us, you know, we had our business going, luckily we had that very well established at that, at that point. Um, and, we kind of thought we had this idea in our head, I'd say, you know, we even talk, we even joke about it now, but you know, Oh, Mac's going to fit into our life. We're not going to be like in his world. Right. <laughs> and that's not at all how it goes. It's more like there's, there are three lives. There's Angel and I, there's this life we have with Mac and then there's this business and there's like the, like the three worlds are colliding at all times. 
Um, and we've integrated, I mean, obviously now we've kind of blended together and we figured out how to make it work, but in the beginning it was very tough. And even now it's, it's, you know, it is a balance to have a family and to, and to, to, to have a business. There's, there's gotta be a lot of self-discipline, a lot of self-discipline with time management with saying that this time right now is dedicated to business and I'm all in it. And then when I'm out of business, I'm with my family and I'm going to be very present with my mm-hmm. son and I'm going to make sure that when, when I'm there, I'm all there. I'm not running over to the phone or the computer or whatever. Um, and I think that was a huge transition with having a family because prior to Mac, you know, we, you know, we work for ourselves, we work from home, we work from wherever we are. So it was so easy to do business at all hours of the night. It was so easy to just be flexible like that with clients. Um, but when we had Mac, we realized that we were doing him and ourselves a disservice by trying to keep that up. Yeah. It just didn't make sense. So we got very hardcore about time management, about doing things at certain times. And it made a world of difference. It didn't make it easy because nothing's easy. Life is not easy. Um, but but it, made it, it made it manageable and it made it, it, made it more fun. Mm-hmm. There's no question about that because now we feel like we're accomplishing things and at the same time we're able to unlock. Yeah, and be present. And be with present. With both, depending on what we're doing in the moment. Right, no doubt. And I'll give you both a high five. You've also managed to keep up with your fitness and exercise and, and making that a priority too, because that's not easy. Like, you know, being a creative giant and then you're in this couple and then you've got this kid and you've got the business and you got all that. You still manage to prioritize that. So big props to you on that front too. Oh yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We get to the gym like what, four, four or five days a week, usually five. It's nice that they have a daycare though. You know, Matt can go play with his friends. We get our workout in. Yeah. I think, I mean, keeping up the physical body is, is super important. That's been something that Angel and I have done all along. Um, so, you know, it, it's, you, you make a ritual of it. It becomes, if you start to identify with that, as you know, we've talked about in the past and, and that, I think that's why we, that was never a question. That wasn't, you know, something that was even negotiable. We're going to work out because that's who we are. We're people who work out because we know this is where our minds living in this body and we got to keep it up. Yeah. Priority one. Priority one. All righty. So as we're wrapping up, if people remember nothing else about you and your body of work from this particular episode, what would you want that to be? I would say, I would say, don't doubt yourself. Yeah. Don't, don't be the person you're going to run into maybe thousands, sadly, of people in, in, in your life that are for one reason or another, you know, as we've mentioned, even on this call, some will be some people that, you know, love you and care about you. And some will be the naysayers on the streets or the naysayers in your email inbox. But you're going to run into thousands of people who are going to naysay you and doubt you. And the key thing to remember is you don't have to be one of those people. You can be somebody who gives yourself credit and gives yourself the benefit of the doubt and, uh, and pushes yourself forward. Angel? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think, yeah. Um, your own mindset and how you speak to yourself is extremely important. You're the most important person, you know, especially when we can be our own worst enemies when we're speaking to ourselves. Sometimes the things we say to ourselves, we would never dare say out loud to anybody else. So we need to recognize that and do some self inquiry and just think about how we can change that negative self-talk and turn it into positive self-talk. Mark Angel, you've been very generous with your time today, and I really appreciate you being on the episode. So thanks so much. It was absolutely a pleasure to be here, Charlie. Thank you for having us. Thank you. 
Okay, Creative Giants, so you heard it from Mark and Angel. What can you do today to maybe release a little bit of the doubt that you have about yourself and tell yourself a positive story about what you can do in the world? Of all the people out there in the world that may doubt you, what can you do to not be yet another one of them? Until next time, stand tall. Thanks for listening to The Creative Giant Show. To find more tools and inspiration for creative giants, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. Stand tall, creative giant.